March 30th, the book of Luke, chapter 8, verse 40, through chapter 9, verse 6. On the other side of the lake, the crowds received Jesus with open arms, because they had been waiting for Him. And now a man named Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, came and fell down at Jesus' feet, begging Him to come home with Him. His only child was dying, a little girl twelve years old. As Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowds. And there was a woman in the crowd who had a hemorrhage for twelve years. She had spent everything she had on doctors and still could find no cure. She came up behind Jesus and touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus told him, No, someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. When the woman realized that Jesus knew, she began to tremble and fell to her knees before him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him, and that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking to her, a messenger arrived from Jairus' home with the message, Your little girl is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But when Jesus heard what had happened, he said to Jairus, Don't be afraid. Just trust me, and she will be all right. When they arrived at the house, Jesus wouldn't let anyone go in with him except Peter, James, John, and the little girl's father and mother. The house was filled with people weeping and wailing. But he said, Stop the weeping. She isn't dead. She is only asleep. But the crowd laughed at him because they all knew she had died. Then Jesus took her by the hand and said in a loud voice, Get up, my child! And at that moment her life returned, and she immediately stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were overwhelmed, but Jesus insisted that they not tell anyone what had happened. One day Jesus called together His twelve apostles and gave them power and authority to cast out demons and to heal all diseases. Then He sent them out to tell everyone about the coming of the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Don't even take a walking stick, He instructed them nor a traveler's bag, nor food, nor money, not even an extra coat. When you enter each village, be a guest in only one home. If the people of the village won't receive your message when you enter it, shake off the dust from your feet as you leave. It is a sign that you have abandoned that village to its fate. So they began their circuit of the villages, preaching the good news and healing the sick. There is only one time in all of Scripture we are told to run. You better hear me. Only one time. And you know what it is? It's run from environments or settings that cultivate or enhance or stir up these intense cravings. It never ceases. I met with a young man recently. He said, Pastor, I just don't know how it happened. I, we start, I sat, sat down with this girl about 1230 in her apartment, 1230 in the morning, and we start kissing, and we start doing some other stuff. And I, I've been praying, singing, Lord, asking the Lord, saying, Lord, how did that happen? 
I say, shut up. What do you mean, how did that happen? Don't super spiritualize this. It happened because you were there after midnight alone in her apartment, sitting on a couch, sharing a blanket. And you put yourself in a setting that enhanced, cultivated, and promoted the intense cravings we all got. What you should have done, young man, is get up and said, I gotta go. And you should have turned and you should have ran. It says run, but pursue. Don't run aimlessly. That's what so many of us do. We hear these messages on resistless cravings. Don't do it. Don't be bad. You guys can't stop it. Quit sleeping around. We've all been there. You got to pursue something. That's why purity is a pursuit of God. What are you pursuing? You got to pursue it. But pursue with. Pursue with. Say, Judah, if you could leave me with only a few words to help me in my purity, what would it be? Flee, but pursue with. Don't ever forget that phrase. Flee, but pursue with. Flee, but pursue. It's not enough just to flee. It's not enough just to pursue. You need some people running with you. Because there's going to be some times when you're pursuing God and all of a sudden you get a little distracted while you're running. Who are you running with? Some of you would never cease to amaze me. You come up in here and you say, oh yeah, I want to flee. I want to pursue. But you hanging out with people who are knuckleheads and they're serving themselves and they're self-centered. And so no wonder when you leave Jam United and you're going, oh yeah, I'm going to pursue God. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to do it. And you start running with all of your cronies and your homies and your minions and they're all a bad influence on you. So you never end up really gaining any traction in your pursuit of God. One of the most significant things you could do in this entire time is make a determination that you love your friends, that you're going to pray for your friends, but there's some of them that ain't running where you're running, and it hadn't been good for either one of you. Not the most popular message in the world. Who are you running with? That's why you got to get in the connect group. That's why you got to get in a small group. He said, we don't have small groups. Make you a small group. Get two or three other guys that are running like you're running. Start running together and start feeding off of each other and say, man, we're going to serve God together. We're going to do this the right way. Come on, we're going to spur one another on to good deeds and love and justice. Come on. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. God is going to work for you. God is going to help you. You have a desire in here to live pure. But some of you, you are so in your pursuit, you're tired, you're weary, you're exhausted, and there's a sense of hopelessness set in. I believe one of the greatest assignments on my life is to tell young people all over the world that you can live pure, that you can live holy. I sat with a young man from the university that I minister at, and he sat with me in a group of uh, several young boys, and he looked at me and he said, Judah, he says, I've read this book. He said, I had no idea this was possible. I thought it was only in movies. I looked at him, I said, listen to me, you can live pure, not in yourself, not in and of yourself, you cannot. But Jesus, 
He will help you. You can master sin. You can dominate. I'm here to tell you, some of you have been so lied to. You're sitting here today and you think everyone just has turmoil and anguish as they're resisting the intense cravings of the flesh. And you think for the rest of your life, you're going to have to say no to what you really want to do and just serve God because it's what you have to do. And if that's all we get, if that's why Jesus died on the cross, forget it. I am not serving Jesus just because it's the right thing to do. I'm serving Jesus because he has arrested my mind, my will, my emotions. I'm in love with him.